0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Guys Without Helmets. Week five is in the books, and we are here to talk about all the incredible action that came our way. Surprises, and uh, if you're Tom Brady, you're saying some pretty miserable football. But guys, all in all, very good. Very good week five. Let's go right out of the gate with that Thursday night embarrassing. Even even uh, Al Michaels. Yeah, Al Michaels was already like checked out in the third quarter. 100%. Colts were able to somehow beat uh, our Denver
1: – well, I say our – the Denver Broncos. What's going on? The Jonathan taylor Colts. Yeah. The Deion Jackson Colts. <laughs> <laughs> um, they keep saying that Russell Wilson's not – what's the word? Bought in? Right. I don't know how to feel about it. I think it's still a big part of the coaching. I mean, if you put up nine points in a game – that you're not, there's something wrong there. It's not just your quarterback. I think that their defense has been playing great. Every game that Denver's been in has been a close game. The Colts, uh, they're the most painful team to watch in football right now. They're the most boring team I've ever seen, probably in the last four or five years. Because they're supposed to be this team with a guy that can throw 50 times a game. That's the way he did his whole career. Gets traded to the Colts, Matt Ryan, and now he's a Trash. dead man for some yeah. reason.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the Colts basically hit their average of 13, 14 points a game here with 12, somehow beating the Broncos. Uh, we know that Russell Wilson has a injury to his shoulder. I believe he has a partially torn How convenient. Lat. Um, he's been <laughs> dealing with it for the last two games, so he could be still playing going forward. But, um, yeah, it's just been – we said it before, it was probably going to be the saddest game of the year, and unfortunately <laughs> it was the saddest game Mid-ball. of all time. So We should have been putting out those, you know, how I survived, like the hurricanes and stuff that
0: comes around. We should have been putting up those uh, I survived uh, – the Thursday night game or another primetime Denver Bronco game.
2: I mean, it's it's pretty brutal because you're already playing against the 32nd ranked offense in the Colts, and now they have without Jonathan Taylor, and then the the Broncos somehow scored less than them. Terrible football game. Uh, surprisingly, <laughs> the
0: Giants were able to walk away with a win in uh, London, 27 22, with uh, yeah. over Green Bay.
2: Yeah, Daniel Jones. I believe he got his whole hand got cut. He was out for a little bit. Saquon was out a little bit in this game as well, but he came back and clutched out of the game for them. Uh, he should be an MVP conversation for the most part. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's quite easily the most valuable player to his team, and uh, he's been doing it every single week. And uh, Daniel Jones having his best season so far with Brian Dable as a head coach. This team just looks totally different without Joe Judge or Ben McAdoo or anybody else coaching him. Yeah, I, I don't imagine know. Imagine that.
1: Uh, what do you mean? You said without Joe Judge or Ben McAdoo. Well. I said imagine that. I mean, w- 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 We
2: all knew they were. They're 4-1 now. Yeah, no. they, they haven't had a start like this since, what, 2016, 2015?
0: Yeah, and surprisingly, we were, uh, unfortunately, uh, away, not able to watch the game. And when we tuned into it, uh, Green Bay had a surprising, well, not surprising, but a commanding lead. The Giants somehow found a way back in, and I'm a little surprised, to be honest with you guys. I thought this would be an easy one for Aaron Rodgers and the crew. I've said it before. I'm going to keep saying it. Aaron Rodgers is the current version of Dan Marino, Hall of Fame quarterback, carrying a team on his back, and just like Dan, I'm not sure that he can get his team there on his own laurels. I don't know. What do you think?
1: I mean, last week against Bailey Zappi, the third string for the, the Patriots, they didn't look too hot either. So I don't know what's wrong with the Packers right now. They went to overtime in that game last week. They just don't look like the Packers to me. Something's weird. I know they don't have any weapons outside of two running backs, which are being underutilized, in my opinion. I just think that they just look off. It doesn't look like the Packers to me. Yeah, I mean, they've been really
2: inconsistent. They could have, in games where they could have blown out the other team, they've easily kept it very close. Just like this game, What they were up. The Giants only had seven points, and they had 22 points. They didn't get any more points in this game beyond that, and they let them come right back. I mean, yeah, this is just a bad team. They have no passing attack whatsoever. They have guys coming off injuries who are supposed to be their number one receiver. Alan Lazard, Tunyon, stuff like that. They're not playing super well, but hopefully throughout the season they'll be playing a lot better. Their running game, I believe A.J. Dillon has a touchdown in one game. And then I think Aaron Jones has two or three in one game as well. So they only scored in two games as a running attack so far. So it's been a pretty poor, pretty poor offense across the board. I think the surprise
0: of the week, coming into the week, the team that led the league in offensive scoring was the Detroit Lions. Threw up the goose egg and allowed uh, the rookie quarterback to throw 29 points against New England. They lose 0-29. to um, Surprised by this outcome? Is this what we expected to see in
1: this game? I had a dream. This is weird. I had a dream on, like, Tuesday last week that they would get blown out. Uh, my dream it was 44-0, to but it ended up being 29-0. to So very weird for me to see them get goosed on. No points scored because they are the top five offense somehow. Um, I mean the top scoring offense. Yeah, until I mean, last week, they aren't. They're on bye this week, so I think that them next week should have a Monra and Swift back, which will help them out yeah. a ton.
0: Yeah, I agree. All
1: right, let's continue on down the list. The Chargers took
0: care of business with the Cleveland Browns, thirty to twenty-eight. Uh, Tennessee, we told you they're giving people fits, thirteen to six. They beat Jacksonville. Jacksonville, I think, was shocked by this team, but. We said it early on, folks, the team probably will not have a lot of wins, although this was their first win of the season, but Tennessee's going to be a fit for whoever they play. Yeah, I think
2: Jacksonville's only beat Houston one time over yeah. the last, what, four years or something like that, so the streak continues for Houston. Yeah,
0: yeah, big time. Um, we watched a kind of a closer game than we thought. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, who have not beaten the Buccaneers, or as far as I know, maybe they've never beaten Tom Brady uh 15 to 21 the buccaneers handled how do you guys feel a lot of the controversy of this game was over the call and the way that brady was treated at the end they threw of course a rough in the passer call that honestly guys he threw him to the ground i don't know that it was excessive uh your take on that play uh i plead the fifth you don't want to indulge josh what do you think was
2: it a good call bad call I think it was a Tom Brady call. I mean, <laughs> that's you know, why you played in the fifth. I, I don't know. I, th- I think it was a bad call. I think everyone can kind of agree that it was a bad call. Did it change the outcome of this game? Probably. Probably. The Bucks. The Bucks should have played better. Whether or not you want to say that it was, I mean, it shouldn't have been this close. No. Buccaneers no. and Falcons. It shouldn't have been this close. And the Falcons somehow kept it close with no Kyle Pitts, little action out of uh, Drake London, no Cordero Patterson. I don't know. The Bucks with the Packers as well, they played a couple weeks ago. That was a pretty sad game. They just haven't been performing. I know Chris Gowan's still relatively injured coming back right now. They're still trying to figure out their tight end game with Karen Brate getting injured and no Gronk, so Kate Otten, the rookies, kind of stepping in. Uh, they're trying to figure things out. I think they'll heat up, but this was just a bad game in the second half for them.
0: Now, the next game is a shock, not the score, 38-3, to Buffalo beats Pittsburgh. The, the shock for me is we're in the middle of or the early part of the third quarter. The game's out of hand. And the starting quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, still in the game. What in the world? Why would you do that?
1: Yeah, I don't understand that at all. They're up 30 points at the half. Yeah. I think you pull them then. I mean, to be honest, there's no signs that the Steelers are going to come back in this no. game. It was it was over. I think it's silly. I don't know why Josh they do this all the time. Josh Allen's pads his stats a lot against bad teams. You saw it last year against the Jets. We saw it last year against Miami once. It's just it gets old, and it's risky for your quarterback. <laughs> if something were to happen to him, I don't want him to get hurt. But yeah. if something were to happen, then it's kind of on him.
0: No, it's a hundred percent on him. A bad coaching, Josh. Why would you leave your franchise quarterback out when you're up thirty points?
2: Yeah, I don't know. That's what they tend to do. I mean, they brought Case Keenum in like the last one or the last two drives. I mean, the Steelers—they weren't going to do anything. They had no luck in this game whatsoever. Yeah. They had two giant touchdowns from Gabe Davis. They got the ball in the in, or the red zone a couple of times and never converted because they were always trying to go for it to match the score of the Bills. So I don't know why he was still in there. You can argue that every game for the Bills because they're always basically in the same situation. I think later on in the season you'll see more Case Keenum, but right now they're kind of keeping the momentum going, getting as much playing time for their starters.
0: Yeah, no surprise that the Tua Tungabailoa-less Dolphins were not able to handle the Jets. Uh, I mean, the surprise is 40 points. Yeah, the surprise is 40 points to, to Miami's 17. But I don't think it's a surprise that uh, Miami's not able to win without their starting quarterback. That game, uh, you know, we've been rooting for the Jets. They've been getting some some quality players and having some major injuries. We're rooting for the coach a bit. But 40 points is a lot for a Jet yeah, team. Yeah,
2: the Jets are really fortunate with this matchup and no Tua. They also had Teddy Bridgewater lead the game mm-hmm. on the first drive from a sack from Sauce Gardner. Uh, so Skylar Thompson, the seventh-round rookie, had to step in. It's just not a good game. They couldn't do a lot on offense, obviously, with a player that's never played in a game and obviously getting thrown into this, not knowing he's going to start. Uh, the Jets, they, they do not really do much on offense beyond Brees Hall. I know they had red zone touchdowns to Michael Carter, and Brees Hall had two or so big plays, mm-hmm. including the 70-yard uh, pass dump off from Zach Wilson. But overall, the receiving core did nothing. I think all all the numbers together, Corey Davis, Moore, Wilson, Conklin, Barrios, all together, they all had like 80 yards combined. So this passing game really wasn't going. I know the score was 40 points, but it's relatively misleading when you have a matchup against <laughs> yeah. all the things that added up on the Dolphins' side.
1: Yeah, I don't buy too much into this um, the score and think that Zach Wilson's the reason it happened. I think the running backs scored three or four touchdowns out of the 40 points, and a lot of it was the defense too. I mean, they're playing against a rookie third string quarterback let's be real so yeah, Yeah. that would erase this game from your memory especially for (laughs) fantasy if you're a Brees Hall owner he's not going to have a 75 yard wheel route dump off every game it's not going to happen
2: yeah I mean it's good to see they're taking advantage of the situation they've been put in and obviously scoring 40 points but going forward this offense just is not good enough to compete. And li- likely, we saw the Michael Carter do the Jalen Waddle dance after he scored the Waddle. <laughs> so later on in the season, you might see that as well if they play or once they play again. A Little mockery happening yeah. there. Uh, also, I was a little surprised in this game that Chicago was
0: able to put up 22 points against the Minnesota defense. Minnesota still wins, 29-21. This seems like Kirk Cousins finally starting to get his groove. What do you think about that matchup?
2: Yeah, we saw David Montgomery come back, and we really saw their passing game open up a lot more. He's a better blocker than Khalil Herbert. Mm -hmm. He's a better weapon in the receiving game so far in his career. So it really opened up the passing game. You saw great catches from Darnell Mooney for the most part. So they really pushed up. Uh, The Vikings played down in the second half. We saw um, Justin Jefferson have over 100 yards in the first half. Really slowed down. They really took care of him there. So this is just, I don't know. The Vikings always let teams come back into it. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't allow the Bears to do this. But the Bears could have had a better game. They had, what, a 40-yard rushing touchdown back from Justin Fields. I mean, this was a lot closer of a game for the most part, especially in the second half.
1: Yeah, I think it's no surprise that both games this year that Montgomery's been healthy. that has been close games. They won the first game against the 49ers with right. Montgomery in there. I think that's he's the best player on their team outside of their quarterback. He makes it the offense, like Josh said, much better. They can mm-hmm. do so much more in the passing game because he can block and he can catch better than Herbert. Herbert's a great runner but I think that Montgomery is definitely their best player on offense.
0: Yeah, I think there's a tale of, of two Kirk Cousins, and we're starting to see him finally maybe hit his stride as the season goes on. Um, the Titans visited Washington. Uh, Washington, we're going to talk a bit more in buy or sell. so I don't want to deep dive on this one. Tennessee should be a favorite in this division, and yet Washington was still close, 21-17. Tennessee currently tied for uh, first place in the South with the Jaguars what's there to say at this game? We're going to talk more about the commanders here in a little bit, but aside from that, anything you can add about the
1: Titans team? Um, Derrick Henry's getting his volume back. He's scoring Mm -hmm. touchdowns. That was basically their whole game was Derrick Henry. I believe Hilliard scored a touchdown too, so really just their run game. They're just not really doing anything in the passing game. I know Robert Woods has been getting like seven or more targets a game. Their pass game is kind of stale, especially with Traylon Burke's getting hurt. I just think that they're going to re rely on their two running backs now. Yeah,
2: yeah, they just really outpaced them. They really they had the ball longer than Washington this game. Derrick Henry really established himself. Dontrell Hilliard had a good game. As you said, the passing attack's not very good. I believe they're thirtieth in yards per game and 29th in yard, or passing yards per game, and they're not even top fifteen or sixteen in the league in rushing yards per game. They're sitting at twenty right now, so it's just not a good offense right now. We know the offensive line got injured week two, week three. Uh, it's just not good. They have one receiver with a touchdown this year, Robert Woods, and he's coming off of an injury last year in a torn ACL. So it's been an underperforming receiving core. Dontrell Hilliard actually is leading their entire team with three and to match the rest of the team only has three. So mm. it's just not been a good team, not a good offense. So in a harder matchup going forward, this might be a blowout for them with no Chandlin Burks, especially. Yeah. Let's talk about these Seahawks. 32-39 loss to, <laughs> I thought, it was a
0: very exciting uh, end, especially with the Saints. Uh, the Saints, somehow, if you're a fantasy guy, you were able to get your boy. Which one of you had him? What's that? Uh, Hill. You had him as a oh, tight yeah, end. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I already heard people complaining. Not about your your 30-some points you got off of your tight end. I'm doing air quotes as I say <laughs> that.
2: one catch this year.
0: Yeah, I think some of the uh, fantasy supports have fixed that, so he's not being a tight end. But if you have a chance to grab him as a tight end, guys, hey, guess what? Put him in flex or something because, Josh, you probably won your week based on that guy, right? Yeah. And it's a given. I mean, they give the guy the ball every time, and he just flat out gets it done. I, mean, yeah. I don't understand. Yeah,
2: the most interesting thing is that Kamara, the guy that was really heavily reliant on the receiving work – and mm-hmm. touchdowns is the guy that got sniped every single time in the red zone from yeah. one Mark Ingram and then a couple of Taysom Hill. Yeah. But overall, great game to
0: watch. Guys, I hate to say this. We should play taps in the background. But we were a little premature. Uh, the 49ers, 37-15 over Carolina Panthers. Of course, we're premature in the fact that Matt Rule, no longer the head coach in Carolina. And we were right.
2: We were right. But is this the week we called it on? Halloween. No, Halloween. Said, By they, Halloween. Three, three weeks. If they to lost to early. Atlanta. Yeah, but, if
0: they lose to a team they shouldn't lose to, right? But
2: at least David Tepper and everyone else that had a voice in this decision saw it basically like this isn't going to change. Yeah. No. No, I agree. I think I think some teams I've already read, a lot of uh, journalists
0: are saying that teams are going to now be preying on their players, hoping that they are going to cash in. I don't think they're going to do that. I think they've got a, no. a good pool. What do you guys think?
2: No, I think, I mean, the only person I could see getting traded is Christian McCaffrey, just because mm-hmm. he's not really adding wins to this team. Obviously, right. we'll see what happens going forward. But I think the most interesting decision, for them at least, is they cut Phil Snow, the defensive coordinator. Steve Wilkes, who has head coaching experience with the Cardinals uh, most recently, he's the guy that got moved up to head coach. Phil mm-hmm. Snow and uh, Matt Ruler are both gone. So going forward, the guy that wasn't even in the top three right. conversation for the job is the
1: one that ended up with the job. That's crazy. I think their team is pretty well balanced. I just think it's very poorly coached. I know Baker Mayfield's a top 20 quarterback. He's not a top tier quarterback in the league, but he's manageable. He can manage games. They went to the playoffs with them with the Browns. I think they just need a head coach. Their defense is pretty stacked. They have weapons on offense, obviously Christian McCaffrey, but players like DJ Moore, they have they have depth all around. I just think they draft well outside of their head coach is all they need. I think they just need a head coach. Yeah, and um, David Tepper really –
2: stated a couple of times that Baker Mayfield is the quarterback of this team going forward. He said he's going to have a voice in who the head coach is coming forward. So he could be the quarterback of the future, at least plan to be the quarterback of the future for the next few years for the Panthers. Obviously, they're not a very good team right now, so we'll see what their draft pick is or whatever. If they get more draft picks, if the trading rumor of players is true. Um, But yeah, baker mayfield looks like the guy going forward i know i don't know if the offense was changed or stripped away from matt rule during this game or ben mcadoo they just let baker mayfield do his thing but they were really driving at the end of the game the last two or three drives like it looked like a totally different team i don't know if something changed there but they looked a lot better and baker mayfield was passing very well towards the end of the game
0: yeah and what i was going to say is a couple years ago just so our listeners know what we've talked about the dolphins uh virtually got rid of a lot of good players so that they could pile up draft picks to start building the team for the next guy. It was clearly happening. Uh, I, I agree. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I'm not surprised e- either that the Eagles and Cardinals were so close, although you know I'm not a huge Kyler fan, and, and I don't feel like he really had a chance at the end. It showed. But 20-17, to 17, Eagles still the only undefeated team. We said it weeks ago, guys. I'll put it to you this way. Cardinals are certainly flat. Most of that division is pretty flat, to be honest. When do the Eagles play a team that will prove whether they are truly a good football team or they just had a pretty favorable schedule cuz so far they haven't really seen a lot of fight outside of that opening game against the Lions.
1: Yeah, and they play Dallas this week which is probably going to be Cooper Rush again. Yeah, based off right now. Yeah. Um that's not really a challenge. <laughs> I, I mean, they're undefeated I with think Cooper Rush, but I understand that, but I don't know if Dallas can game manage their way into beating this team cuz they're too so you're Heavy. already buying that the Eagles are legit. That, okay. No. My question is, what? I'm not buying that they're legit. No? I'm saying they're not playing a real person this week. Yeah, I don't, I, this So even if they win, they,
2: they haven't, haven't earned it. Yeah. Okay, okay. This isn't even an exaggeration. Yeah. I don't, they don't play one team that is di- more difficult than the Cardinals, in my opinion. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you go down the list, Pittsburgh Steelers, they have a great defense, but what their offense is doing, especially in the next two weeks, only a few weeks for Kenny Pickett, this is just not a good matchup for them. They play Houston, Washington, Indy, Green Bay, two teams that have been underperforming like crazy, the Titans, the Giants, the Bears, the Cowboys, and the Saints. They don't play one team. Honestly, the only teams over 500 they're going to probably meet this whole season are in their own division. Yep. Dallas, the Giants so far, the Cardinals more than likely, the Vikings who they blew out. Kirk Cousins at night, um, and the Packers. Well, well, let's let's talk about that briefly because Dallas. Uh, we picked the upset. Dallas picked uh, beat
0: the Rams twenty two ten. Dallas is the only team left now to not allow a team to score twenty points in a ball game or more, and them and the Forty Nine ers clearly have the best. I'm not looking at stats. I'm saying eyeball test. Forty Nine ers Cowboys best defense in the league right now. The way the Cowboys are playing defense, Josh, since Caleb already this question, do you think that's a true test for the Eagles or the fact that they have Cooper Rush starting is not really a fair and adequate test?
2: Yeah, I think, I think it's a, the best test for them at least. But I think with what Jalen Hurts and his play style, mm-hmm. the defensive line, the best quality of the Cowboys is going to be less of a priority. Like versus Matthew Stafford, who's immobile, it, you got a lot more pressure towards yeah. him. This is a lot better offensive line, obviously, and then Jalen Hurts' mobility makes him a lot less scary going forward. So, secondary is really going to have to step up for Dallas. Safe to say Dan Quinn has finally made this defense
0: aggressive, uh, even though they're not completely healthy. They've been a monster to handle. Caleb, I'll put this question to you. Clear that the Rams' woes are the fact that they're unable to stop any type of pass rush whatsoever.
1: Well, yeah, we knew this coming in, and we're really into the year when Wentworth retired. He's their arguably Hall of Fame tackle. I think that and they had a bunch of injuries too, so they're on their third string tackle right now. They're they're being pressured by everybody. You can see it. Matt yeah. Stafford has no time. That's why Cooper Cup's been having seventeen targets a right. game because he's just right. dumping it off to him. The running backs can't block <clears throat> fast enough. They're not the running backs aren't good right now. They're not good. Cam makers can't block. They, he has no help. They don't have a tight end that blocks. Higby runs routes on like eighty percent of the drop backs. He they need help blocking, and that's their biggest problem. They're they're on their third string tackle. I think I already said that, but there's so many injuries on their line. That it's not really fair to judge Matthew Stafford based on all of that.
0: Isn't it still early enough in the season that they could go after somebody? Is there just nobody out there? I don't understand. There's got to be some veteran free agents, retired, somebody,
1: somebody's got to be able to help these guys out. I think there's a reason why out of the top ten picks in a draft, four or five of them are always linemen, because there's no linemen Mm -hmm. in the league that are good, that aren't signed. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be the topic of the Rams for the whole season.
2: I mean... (laughs) It's similar to the Cowboys even a couple of years ago, where they're getting off the field so quickly because they were getting pressured so right. much. The ball was getting handed over to the defense almost immediately, and the defense tires out because they're playing a ton in that game. And you're seeing this. They're obviously a great defense. They were a great defense all of last year. They had a great offensive line, obviously, a great offense, and it was really balanced. Right now, it's a lot of defense. They're getting tired very easily. They're not able to stop a ton of players. We see a lot of big plays against them. So. Going forward, if their offensive line isn't fixed somehow, I mean, I can look and see who's the top available offensive lineman. There's not a ton. Uh, yeah, it's just it's, it's just gonna be, it's gonna be like this for them for most of the
0: season. Yeah, let's slide into another game. We got two more to wrap this section up. Uh, the Bengals visited Jacksonville. Tough game. It wasn't the cleanest game, of course. Nineteen uh, seventeen. Uh, Ravens are able to pull out that win. I don't know. This division is clearly in a shamble already. I mean, the Browns, Ravens, Bengals, um, yeah. Uh, I, I don't even know what to say here, but it wasn't the prettiest game, but somehow Lamar was able
1: to pull it out. Yeah, Lamar's in a kind of a slump right now. Rashad Bateman hasn't been healthy, so and he yeah, just got J.K. Dobbins back, so there's still some kind of trying to figure out what's going on with that offense there. Mm-hmm. Bad game for Lamar, really, compared to his other games in the year. The Bengals – we kind of predicted this before the year. They're not as good as they were looked to be right. last year. And in that game, Joe Burrow did not look great. I know T. Higgins left the game in the first quarter very early. It just wasn't a good showing for Burrow. Mixon's been averaging under three yards a carry, which is not going to get it done for you. Their O line is having problems. Lyle Collins, who they got in free agency from Dallas, he's not good. <laughs> he has a lot of flags as his problem. A lot with of th- flags. That was his problem with Dallas. He hasn't fixed that issue. Their o line's just bad. They don't have Burrow. They're just bad. That's all I'm going to say.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I think the problem was is they got all these names and all these people. We talked about on paper this should be a pretty solid offensive line, but overall they've just been pretty terrible. Um, it's just been a problem for them all season and probably going forward unless they get some sort of chemistry going throughout the season. Um, I mean, this we said it was a bad game for Lamar Jackson, but he was probably three passes away from being a top quarterback this week. He missed on the deep passes he had available to him. I think one was a 50-yard touchdown to Tylen Wallace. Literally no one on him. He just overthrew him like crazy. Uh, and there was another Devin Duvernay one. And I think there was also potentially a big play for Mark Andrews in this game as well that he just missed on. So he could have been a top quarterback this week, but he did miss a lot of throws. And we know this is already a shallow receiving core kill. Talked about it. Rashad Bateman was not active in this game. They had Devin DuVernay, who was essentially not starting for them as a wide receiver last year, three or four last year, mostly a punt returner. He was the number one in this game, and they were starting guys they haven't started before, James Prochet, Tylen Wallace. They, I don't know. This, this could have been a very blowout-type game for the mm-hmm. Ravens if they wanted to. Uh, their defensive secondary has been playing up a ton. Uh, Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, They've been locking down guys for the last couple of weeks as well. Marcus Williams, he's been playing very well. He's going to be out for the next couple of weeks, but this could have been a giant game for the Ravens despite the lack of receiving talent for them. Uh, with Rashad Bateman out. So I I think there's a lot to look forward to as a Ravens fan or for the Ravens, but the Bengals just aren't the same team. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Let's move on to the final game, and
0: it was, if you stayed up late, you got a doozy. Uh, As most of you know, Raiders came out pretty sharp. Uh, Devontae Adams looked great, snapped a couple of long balls. Carr looked like that old college connection was hitting. Then all of a sudden, Casey started rolling back. Uh, I've been picking on Kelsey, probably not on air as much as I have (laughs) been, calling him an old man and all. Hey, look, the guy at one point only had seven catches for 25 yards. And four touchdowns. I don't want to fail to mention <laughs> yeah. that. Um, but let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, we'll talk about the the after game thing at the very end. But what's your takeaway, Josh, on this game?
2: Yeah, Devontae Adams did his best Randy Moss impression. I think he had two catches, or yeah, three catches, two Monster touchdowns, yachts. 130 yards. It was a crazy game for him. Derek Carr had a lot of great passes to him. Or sorry, the three passes he had to him. Uh, that once again the Chiefs uh, red zone game is trying to get Clyde not really prioritizing him because he was one yard short they've been just passing it to him dumping it off inside and then Travis Kelsey obviously has seven touchdowns through five games there I don't know how they're doing it every (laughs) single game but you're happy if you have Pat Mahomes despite the lack of talent in the receiving core going forward it could be a problem uh, but I don't know they've just been good every single week despite
1: that yeah I think the this game would have been a bigger blowout. Mm-hmm. I think that and it was one-point game. I'm saying blowout. Yeah. Because the second half was not even close. There's 30 points scored by the Chiefs in one half. So, pretty pretty big half for the Chiefs. But I think them switching their defensive scheme and moving their star corner, mm-hmm. will coming up star corner, onto Devontae Adams instead of two rookies. That's how right. they they got toasted. Devontae Adams yeah. toasted both, and they never yeah. played before. One, he drawled, two defensive pass interference from one guy and one drive. Two in a row. And then he scored on the other one on like a 50-yard touchdown. So, I don't know why they put a rookie on Devontae Adams in the first place. I think that's silly. But they they finally figured that out in the second half, halftime adjustment. So, I you want to say it. Yeah, and I mean, for this
2: season, it might be a loss for the Raiders. But overall, I wouldn't be too upset just looking forward. Because they, they're never a team that really gets blown out. Right. You look at the first game against the Chargers, they lost by five. They lost by, what, six in week two. They lost by two the next week. They won by nine against Denver. They lost by one against Kansas City, which they they could have easily tied if they just kicked the extra point with Daniel (laughs) Carlson. But, I mean, they've lost games because of, A, Darren Waller had the ball tipped off his hand. They lost because Hunter Renfro had two fumbles on three plays a couple weeks ago. And then this game, they had the two receivers run into each other on the last (laughs) route. We didn't really... They didn't really discuss that after the game, but no. there's obviously a miscue there.
0: Interesting point, though. You said they missed because, or they lost the game because they, they tried to score, didn't go for two. They throw. pulled at John Harbaugh. Exactly same thing in this game. And this comes back to coaching. They didn't need to go for two, and they did and didn't no. get it, and they lost by one. And you, again, the faux pas at the end, how do you have an offense where you have two guys running into each other 20 yards down the field on a deep route? It doesn't make sense. Um, it doesn't make sense at all. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong. Uh, I, th- I think it comes back to coaching personally because this offensive genius from New England, we've said it before, we've been kind of critical. As a head coach, he, he's not a good head coach. And I mean, it could have just been
1: one of the two guys running the
0: wrong route. Without it a does, doubt. It
1: doesn't have to be the coach. But him without make it going for two and not getting it's his fault.
0: How about the coach owns it in the press conference? How about somebody steps up on this team and says, you know, on me, somebody, somebody.
2: Yeah, and I think my biggest problem is they, they were going for two thinking they could take over the lead and there was four minutes left. They could have gotten the ball back. But what if they just tied the game and the Chiefs didn't score like they did not do, and then the Raiders could then run out the clock and try to get a field goal? <laughs> I mean, oh, I'm boy. Saying, I understand the way they went for, but the yeah. other way makes more sense, in my opinion. <clears throat> yeah, I'm I, especially when you're risk when Especially when you're risking the entire game. The thing is, you know, we, we have a lot of people
0: admittingly over here watching games sometimes and when everyone in the room knows the coach is making a bonehead play, that's a super head scratch. And, and for
2: it's me. it's not like they if they got the two point conversion the Chiefs have thirty seconds to score. Let's right. there's no pressure on the Chiefs yeah. at all.
0: No, I, I couldn't agree more. All in all, I'm not real sure what's wrong with the Raiders. The Chiefs are who we think they are, and they they a door was open. Pat Mahomes took it. End of story. All right, let's break it down. Uh, the AFC North currently has your Ravens at 3-2, Browns and Bengals at 2-3, Pittsburgh Steelers trailing at 1-4. Your South Tennessee Titans are currently 3-2. and two. This is weird numbers. Colts in second place, 2-2-1. Two, two, they have that tie. Jaguars two and three, and of course Houston get their first win one three and one. The East currently looks like it's being dominated by the Bills, but they're right behind them four and one. Jets and Dolphins three and two, three and two, and the Patriots with uh, Zappi at quarterback at two and three. All right, the uh, West uh, as we mentioned, the Kansas City Chiefs are four and one, Chargers three and two, Broncos two and three, Ra- uh, Raiders one and four. Uh, I don't think it's a surprise. Vikings are playing great football. They're in the, the lead, four and one, over the Packers, who are three and two. Bears at two and three, and the Ly- the lowly Lions at one and four. The only undefeated team in the league is still currently NFC East: Philadelphia Eagles at five and zero. Cowboys and Giants holding part four and one, and the Washington Commanders at one and four. Tom Brady and his Buccaneers are at three and two. Saints and Falcons at two and three. Carolina Panthers currently at one and four, and finally that that wacky West, the Wild Wild West. Everybody's all locked in there. 49ers in the driver's seat at 3-2, and two, but the Rams, Cardinals, and Seahawks are all 2-3. and three. So as promised, guys, the league is hard to uh, predict, and the Wild Wild West in both divisions is certainly very much still up for grabs all right we're going to look inside the stats this is a segment where we just look a little deeper into this week's action so josh if you would take us on a
2: journey inside the stats yep we're going to start off with the stat leaders of the nfl across the board i start off with the passing leaders we have josh allen 1651 justin herbert 1478 tom brady 1409 pat mahomes 1398 and carson wentz 1390 the touchdown leaders for quarterbacks, Pat Mahomes with 15, Josh Allen 14, Lamar Jackson 12, Goff 11, Wentz and Herbert, both 10, finishing out the list there. Your rushing leaders right now, Nick Chubb and Saquon Barkley, they've been at the top of the league the yeah. whole year. One and one um, a 593 for Chubb, 533 for Saquon. Josh Jacobs had a great stretch over the last two or three weeks, 490. Miles Sanders, 414. The rookie, Damian Pierce, with 412. Uh, wide receiver leaders, Justin Jefferson, 547, as expected. Cooper Cup 527, as expected. Tariq Hill, 524. Stefan Diggs, 508. A.J. Brown, 436. On to the defense, you have the tackle leader, Zaire Franklin for Indianapolis, 54. Mm-hmm. Roquan Smith, 54. Jordan Brooks, 54. C.J. Mosley, 51. And Miles Jack with 50. Is that a lot of uh, tackles this early? Or, is, I mean, I don't know what the average for
0: years, but it seems like there's a lot of these guys are head and shoulders above some of the other Yeah, guys. I mean, it
2: looks like we're having guys now, the last couple of years, basically getting... Around ten a game for some guys. So you could end the year with 150, 160. It looks like the record's gonna be broken here yeah. soon within a couple years. But going on to the sack leaders, there's four guys with six. We're looking at Max Crosby, Micah Parsons, Matt Judon, and Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa will probably get pushed down. He's probably gonna miss this week. But Bradley Chubb jumps in with five and a half at number five. Uh the interception leader Jordan Poyer with four. Von Bell three. Eddie Jackson three. Marcus Williams and Mika Fitzpatrick. Same thing for Marcus Williams. Um, he's more than likely going to get pushed down because he is injured now. Awesome. Great job, as always.
0: Hey, let's look at the
2: uh, locks and upsets of this week, guys. We, uh, we've we
0: been pretty good. Had some upsets. Uh, I hate being a homer. I said last week I was going to call Dallas. I just thought that defense would be too much to handle with that offensive line, and they proved me right. Uh, guys, this week, um, yeah, we got some locks to give you guys. I'm going to lock in, first of all, uh, Green Bay Packers. I know the Jets are hot, but Green Bay's at home and need a win. So my first uh, lock is going to come by
1: Green Bay. Who's going to give me a lock? I'll give you San Fran over Atlanta. San Francisco, like you said before, is one of the best defenses in the league. Jimmy G's finally throwing people the ball correctly, (laughs) hitting people in the hands. (laughs) Correctly or adequately or accurately. Yep, we have Debo Samuel in this game. George Kittle's looking to get on the right track here. Brandon Ayuk, there's too many weapons for Atlanta to cover. AJ Terrell can't be on every guy on the field, so I think San Fran's going to win.
2: For me, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, the Pittsburgh, traditionally, we always associate them with one of the top teams, one of the more consistent teams in the league this year. Not the same. They obviously don't have big Ben, so just been a they've been a bottom team, quite right. frankly. Uh, points scored, they're 30th. Uh, the Buccaneers aren't too hot on offense, but this is just a team that allowed 40 points the last couple of weeks. They're not doing very good, Pittsburgh Steelers' defense at all. And uh, we know that Tom Brady's now becoming one of the higher passing leaders in this NFL. They're third right now. So they're just better across the board. There's not a Pittsburgh Steelers receiver that has one touchdown. Um, combine Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett's yards, not even close to Tom Brady right now. There's nothing favoring Pittsburgh in this match for me. And, uh, yeah, I just think Buccaneers are going to destroy the Steelers this week. I agree. Uh,
0: my upset, I'm going homer again. I hate being
2: the, that way because
0: uh, I hate being a homer. But I think that Dallas, with the current spread at the time of recording the podcast, is a five and a half by Philly at home. I love this division rivalry. I love that it's talent in this time instead of just mediocrity. Uh, I think, just like last week, I don't think Philly's seen a defense quite like this. And I think if our defense can continue to keep them under 20 points, Cooper and the boys will be able to put up at least 20 points. So I'm going with Dallas in that upset. Caleb, what's your upset for the week?
1: It was Dallas, but I'm going to change it real quick to <laughs> we talked about this <laughs> Seattle. Oh, over okay. Arizona. I mean, yeah, Arizona has not been looking too hot. They look like a half end of the fourth quarter type team when they mm-hmm. start figuring it out. They lost to the Eagles last week. I think Seattle's been playing the best football, better than we've all thought. Geno Smith's playing the best in his life. I think he keeps it up here at home. It's very hard to to win visiting Seattle, and I don't, it's a division game, so it's a coin flip anyway. But mm-hmm. I think. Seattle pulls it out. For me, I'm picking the Dolphins over the Vikings. To me, it doesn't matter
2: who's starting at the quarterback position for them. More than likely, not Tua, but Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson, I think they're both great managers. Uh, I don't think they have a lot of turnovers, generally, uh, especially not with uh, Mike McDaniel offense. Uh, The Vikings haven't been a... Very high-scoring team. They scored 23 against Green Bay, or 7, sorry, against Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. 28 against Detroit, who's a very easy team to score against. New Orleans, 28, and Chicago, 29. They're scoring pretty well, but they're not scoring enough, I think, to keep up with the Dolphins, potentially, especially in Hard Rock Stadium. The Dolphins have been winning big games at Hard Rock Stadium, including Baltimore and Buffalo. This is just the Vikings aren't a strong enough team like the Bills or the Chiefs mm-hmm. while they're amongst one of the team, or the top teams they're just not good enough to beat up on the Dolphins in my opinion uh, and they do tend to not be very good in the second half so yeah. yeah I think this is a great matchup for the Dolphins uh, if there's going to be an upset I think it's going to be in Miami where basically every single week that other teams played in miami they've had guys throwing up guys dehydrated getting put out of the game uh we saw a couple weeks ago alan lazar basically mm-hmm. had dudes waving him off he was throwing up several times just not a good environment for them
0: yeah i agree I, you're gonna probably look at the schedule and go well guys how come nobody took kansas city at home against buffalo uh and we talked about it and i think that's some low-hanging fruit in other words kansas city is really good at home and it's a safe bet to think they can cover because uh, the, the bills are getting two and a half points again at the time of this recording Uh, And a lot of people are probably going to go Kansas City Um, So that's certainly an honorable mention All right. once again, if you've listened to the podcast You know I am terrible And usually not very good at picking hot takes So I, once again, will abstain I'll simply ask the guys You got any hot takes for me on the schedule this week? You want it to be hot, like spicy? Uh, Spicy's good I don't want it to necessarily be wrong I want you to have a chance to get it right That's the point, right?
1: Okay. I think that Pittsburgh will score as many touchdowns as the Texans this week. Texans are on a bye. <laughs> so Pittsburgh will score no touchdowns. That is juicy. Two weeks in a row.
0: That is juicy. Okay. Well, yeah, that's a hot take. You heard it here first.
2: For me, I'm going to say Zach is going to be the tight end one this week. Okay. I know Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey, they're always one and two regardless. But I think Zach Ertz slips in to so number one this week. He's playing against Seattle. Seattle – I don't know what they're doing against tight ends. They do nothing. <laughs> tight ends, Taysom Hill, it doesn't matter. T.J. Hawkinson had 180 yards and two touchdowns. Taysom track. Hill had 40 fantasy points. He threw a touchdown. He ran three, two touchdowns, whatever, mm-hmm. four or five touchdowns in that game. They, they're giving out touchdowns to tight ends. Zach Ertz, he's had 11 targets, 10 targets, 10 targets. He's been one of the top tight ends in the league. I think it doesn't change. I mean, Kyle Pitts, who's done nothing this year, had 90 yards against these dudes. So I think this is just a great matchup for him, great potential for him to be number one. I Mm -hmm. think Seattle matches up very well against number one receivers with Tariq Woolen and his size going against Hollywood Brown. They have no other options on the offense other than the rare performance from A.J. Green. So they're going to be looking a lot towards Zach Ertz, especially with basically every single running back being hurt in this game for the Arizona Cardinals. James Conner beat up. Uh, Eno Benjamin got beat up. Jonathan Ward beat up. Just not a good matchup overall. He's a lone, healthy guy and a great matchup for him. Awesome. All right, let's move into a segment that we like to call
0: Educated Guests. These are waiver wire players that you might want to keep your eyes on. Again, we try not to be super obvious. Not going to give you some low-hanging fruit here. We're going to look deep into it. Caleb, what do you have for us this week? I know you got three.
1: Yep, I have three. I'm going to start with my third. It's going to be Cade Otten, rookie tight end for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Cade Otten, okay. Cade Otten, he's 2% owned in Yahoo Leagues past two weeks he's had a total of 11 targets nine catches and over 70 yards in two weeks so 35 a game but he's their number one tight end he blocks better Cameron breaks got shaken up with concussion i believe Mm -hmm. last Mm -hmm. week and k dotten stepped in for him and he stepped in for the entire game this week over him so he's looks to be their starting tight end now he's gonna be on the field he wears number 88 Mm -hmm. so it looks good but um he blocks great he's obviously drawing targets seven targets from tom brady's Pretty demanding, so okay. Look for him if I know it's been a terrible tight end year for fantasy.
0: Also, you joked me because he made a veteran move and caught the ball and leaned forward instead of circling back, and I'm like, that's a that's a veteran right yeah, there. He was a great
1: prospect <laughs> coming to the year and coming to Tampa Bay was. Perfect. He looks solid, yeah. He looks huh? good. Number so, two, number two, Tevin Coleman. He's back with his coach Shanahan, who he was with in Atlanta. He's the backup to Jeff Wilson right now on the 49ers. He looks like their goal line back. He's just a a big. Mm-hmm. Burling runner. He <laughs> just pushed people over. So right. he did get a lot of passes. Well, he had three targets, three catches, caught all of them, 45 yards, and had a score that way, too. So I don't know. It's Shanahan. He could run with a different back every week. So yeah. if you're desperate for a flex, maybe with these bye weeks coming through, yeah. Tevin Coleman might be your guy until Elijah Mitchell comes back. Last is Darius Slayton. Mm. 0% owned. That's juicy. 0% owned. So he's less than 1%. But we saw this London game. Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Toney did not fly to London. So they're, they're probably not even going to be with them after this year. And Darius Slayton is up for free agency after this year as well. So we are talking about him before the season, of him being a trade candidate, Darius Slayton. But he came into this game, second start of the year, had seven targets, six catches and almost 80 yards. He's 79 yards. So he's the number one receiver for this team with the win against the Packers. If you need a flex player, he could be their number one target behind Saquon Barkley. We don't know. It's still kind of up in the air, but Brian Dable is obviously getting Daniel Jones to be a better quarterback. This is the best quarterback play we've seen out of him, and there's going to be someone that benefits from that other than Barkley.
0: Remember how many people thought Kadarius Tony would be awesome? Not us, for the record.
1: I remember. You know, a 24-year-old college player who breaks out in his senior year, it's not sustainable. <laughs>
0: yeah no great job Caleb as always those are our educated guesses all right one of my favorite segments we do here is buy or sell super simple I'm going to make a statement going to ask each of the guys if they are buying or selling I can't wait to see your faces here we go number one Gabe Davis is the real wide receiver one in Buffalo buying or selling this is, is what is real wide receiver one mean he's truly the the wide receiver one I'm saying it's not Diggs. It's Davis. Prove me wrong. Buying or selling? I, I, I know you guys. <laughs> I know. I told go, you. It could go either way, though. Uh, we'll make a case either way. Uh, okay. You just make a case.
1: It's what we do. Let's see. See, this is tough for defenses to cover. <laughs> the, so. This is why I asked this. This I'll just do. I'll be contrarian. I'll buy. He's, he's the number one. He's, and talk. <laughs> let's see. He's gonna. He's their deep threat. He's yep. gonna be drawing double coverage a lot from safeties because he's gonna be down the field. Yep. He's a big man, as we saw him he rip the wr- ball yes. out of Minka Fitzpatrick's hands for the touchdown. Minka had it as a pick in the end zone. He ripped it right out of there. So he doesn't draw a lot of targets. He's mm-hmm. been getting under five targets every game the past year. But we kind of saw him break out in the playoffs last year for four touchdowns. Was it four or five? <sighs> a lot. Uh, <laughs> four one or one of those I don't two. Know. He It was a record for the playoffs, especially for a Bills player. No offense to Bills fans. But um, he could be the number one. I'm going to buy, though, because he will be the guy that's going to draw double coverage down the field. He's going to be the guy that people have to script to take out of the game because he can really take the top off. He's dangerous. For me, I'm selling.
2: I'm not doing this Adam Thielen's (laughs) better than Stefan Diggs thing again. Gabe Uh, Davis, he's clearly a bigger deep threat down the field than Stefan Diggs. He's been more explosive in games than Stefan Diggs. The priority of the defense is not Gabe Davis. It is Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs remains getting the number one target share. I think, I mean, you can argue whatever you want. It helps Stefan Diggs a lot more if Gabe Davis is very productive like he has been this year and last year. The problem is they don't target him enough, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And uh, they need to to use him in other parts of the field other than down the field as well. Because I think he is better than that. But... To say It's not to discredit him at all because he is a great player. Stephon Diggs, I think, in my opinion, is still obviously the wide receiver one on this team. Gabe Davis will have bigger weeks than Stephon Diggs because of two plays and whatnot, doing Randy Moss impersonations, as we said about Devontae Adams. (laughs) I mean, he's very explosive. He's just not the number one. For me, gone are the days when there was a clear number one,
0: number two, in regards to the fact that, like Michael Irvin had Alvin Harper, you know, and because Michael got covered, Alvin Harper had big plays. I get that. To me... I think we're seeing a generation now of receivers where you look at Cincinnati. They've got three good receivers, and yeah, one may be considered better than the other, and they're all uniquely different. Uh, I'd argue that Chase is not the number one receiver there, of course. Um, so I'm, I'm buying. Gabe Davis looks like the real deal. Uh, Diggs looks like the real deal, too, but right now, Gabe Davis is flavor of the day.
2: Yeah, and for me, the, this is always an argument when you talk about a top receiving core what comes with the top receiving core is more than one number one guy. Right. And you're going to see a lot of production from the number two, from the number three generally. So it's going to be a big topic of discussion. But I think coverage-wise, target share-wise, everything that goes into it, Stephon Diggs is the number one, and Gabe Davis, he'll have bigger games, but he's not better than Stephon Diggs. Stallworth and Swanee, right?
0: Stallworth uh, and If Swanee. you want to say that. But Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I hear All what right, you're saying. Too. Let's go on. Hey, it's fun. This, they're supposed to be hard. All right, here's another tough one, guys. Brees Hall is looking like the Offensive Rookie of the Year.
1: No. I'm selling. Selling, okay. <laughs> I think it's one game. Okay. It, was, it wasn't It was – it looks good on the stat sheet. Yeah. It was a busted play. I, he had a great game. He had a game. good game. He had a good he game. He ran yeah. very hard. He, has a, he had, He's a great runner. Okay. That's why he got drafted in the first round. He's a great player. Okay. I just think Offensive Rookie of the Year, I mean, let's stop and think who else is performing as a rookie right now. Damian Pierce. I know that's your guy. I knew this would come up. That's why I wanted to throw it up there. He's the entire offense for the Texans right now. Top five in rushing so far. Okay. Damian Pierce has the edge right now for this. I'm going to sell. Okay. Josh? For
2: me, I'm going to sell as well. I think we talked about the Jets already. They had 80 passing yards to the entire team, not including Brees Hall on that one dump-off play. So I think that's not to discredit Brees Hall, but the Jets overall, I think they had their two best games of the year the last two weeks. And I mean, looking at the offensive rookies right now, generally by position, Mm -hmm. who favors that position is the larger positions Mm -hmm. as in the quarterbacks and so forth. So we're going to see Kenny Pickett playing. He'll be favored if he looks good, if he looks decent. They're gonna favor him over Brees Hall unless Brees Hall's among the top of the league. I think other players in that conversation: Chris Olave, potentially, oh, yeah. potentially mm-hmm. George Pickens going forward. He's looked good the last three games. He's hit over eighty yards the last three. It's games. why
0: we have the question, guys. I think
2: yeah. I th- I can definitely see Brees Hall being rookie of the year, but I think the Jets are at the peak of their season right now.
0: Oh, okay. That's a hot take right there. I think the Jets are starting to figure things out. I don't know which direction they go in. I'm not claiming. Uh, also, selling. I agree. Your boy in Houston looks like my favorite at this point. All right, let's move on to the next question. This is because, and again, we we pull these guys. We pull these because this is what we were seeing on social media. What we're seeing news reporters talk about. So we're asking us so you guys can hear and ask yourselves. The Commanders' head coach recently very critical of his quarterback. Called him out in this week's press conference. The statement is this. The commander's head coach
1: is the problem in Washington, not Carson Wentz. Buying or selling? I'm buying. Okay. Everywhere that Ron Rivera goes, it's always the quarterback's fault. Mm -hmm. We've seen that. He's a good coach. He can get you eight wins. He's not taking you anywhere else. It's his quarterbacks that have usually taken him other places. He went to the Super Bowl because Cam Newton had an MVP caliber season, Mm -hmm. not because he's a good coach. Amen. He had Taylor Heineke on the Panthers. Terrible. Came to Washington, had Heineke again. Eh, mm-hmm. Alex Smith got injured, unfortunately, mm-hmm. so we don't know what that. Now he has Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, everywhere he goes, has been followed by terrible coaching, and mm-hmm. he's always the scapegoat for it. I just think that Ron Rivera is an average coach, and it's just the easy out to blame the quarterback.
0: For the record, let's, you say everywhere he goes, excluding the Eagles, where they had won a Super Bowl in spite of his injury, and you believe Doug Peterson's a good coach. You're saying Colts, bad coaching. Yeah. Commanders, bad coaching. Josh Beiner,
2: I'm going to buy, I think, Ron Rivera's been the problem. I think, he basically, they had Cam Newton, and he was the whole offense for them until mm-hmm. they got Christian McCaffrey, yep. and that's really, I mean, they talked about it, Cam Newton never passed to his running backs, because he never had a running back, until Christian McCaffrey, and that's been the, the history of Ron Rivera, as he was a player, obviously, obviously defensively, and then he had Cam Newton, Christian McCaffrey, and now he's a commander's coach. You don't hear anything else about them, other than that one Super Bowl run where Cam didn't want to go after the fumble. I mean, he's just done nothing overall other than that one season. And obviously Caleb said Carson Wentz has been the scapegoat for these teams, and I think Philly forced him out overall because they obviously they're trying to change up the team there. There was some arguments going on at the upper with the GM and the head coach and with the owner at the time, so mm-hmm. they had to get someone else. Jalen Hurts was available. But going back to the Commanders, I don't think the problem is Carson Wentz. You look at him as a quarterback right now, he's top five in every statistic for the most part. I mean, he Jahan Dotson, a rookie come in, has four targets in the in, or in the red zone, four touchdowns. He's making Jahan Dotson look really good. Not to say Jahan Dotson isn't good, but that's highly efficient with Carson Wentz. You saw Deami Brown, didn't start last year. First game starting had over 100 yards and two touchdowns on a handful of catches. Carson Wentz makes guys really good. We saw in Philly, we saw it in Indianapolis, he had one wide receiver, Michael Pittman. Everyone put Michael Pittman in the top 2 to 3 rounds of fantasy football. He's done nothing. <laughs> Carson Wentz is a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. People discredit it all the time because of the overall team, this is not a good team. Their defense aligns the the headline of this team. Yeah. And it just I don't know. Well, they they put the blame on Carson Wentz more than Ron Rivera, but he's been overall average despite one season. I'm going to go with you guys on this. Um,
0: I'm totally going to buy this. Here's why. Riverboat Ron, you hit it right on all of you. Everything you guys had to say is dead on. He's a mediocre coach. Who His strength should be defense. He built nice defenses here and in Carolina. problem is he can't sustain them due to injury. The biggest problem he has is what I call Bill Parcells issues. He doesn't know how to evaluate quarterback talent at all. He took the best available free agent maybe outside of wanting to trade and make a big deal for yeah. your boy in San Fran. And to be honest, I would have picked Carson Wentz over San Fran too. And if you look at the problems they're having, uh, we said that uh, the Colts did not necessarily upgrade with with Matty Ice. Although on, on paper, we still think he's got a little left in the tank, and it's a good fit too. They made a good decision based on losing Wentz. Carson, he's not the problem, like you said. He And, and uh, I'm kind of on a uh, – and I know I'm not usually defending Washington because they're our arch rivals. But at the end of the day, I see a team that doesn't have a good offensive line, whose defense is in shambles, even though they're good, they're not as good as they should be because their best player is still sitting next to the coach every day. They've got an upside that is not going to happen with this coach. And I. I hope Dan Schneider loses this franchise and the next guy hires the coach and comes up with a better mascot so that Washington fans can be happy because they're not happy.
2: I mean, they, they've just been an overall overperforming t- or underperforming team yeah. other than Carson Wentz. You look at the running game, Gibson had a great receiving game in week one, but you look at it, hes he has less rushing yards than Khalil Herbert, who started two games. He has less rushing yards than... Overall, just the entire Bears team. I mean, the running game's poor. They've been. I mean, Jonathan Williams. They're stringing back into the running game. They just look very unsure. Ron Rivera has just been very inconsistent in his whole career. And you look at coaches that fail in the NFL. they are guys that are trying to plug holes at the quarterback position to try and get wins now to sustain their job and not saying Carson Wentz was a bad pickup because he was the best available quarterback, but they haven't done anything (laughs) to try and elevate the quarterback position beyond that or even try to rebuild. We just saw Matt Rule, he plugged in the hole with, what, Teddy Bridgewater, PJ Walker, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, all guys that are cut for reasons of being bad in the NFL, and you think that your team's going to be much better with those guys. So I think the problem is evaluation of it. I don't think Carson Wentz is a bad quarterback at all. Just He's trying to sustain his job and then blame the quarterback position for his job. They ultimately, uh, as their
0: season started, they beat Jacksonville at home 28-22. It's a good win at home. It's a good way to start. They lost to the Lions, which we said, and they're a good football team that can't win, but they're capable of dropping 40 points on you, uh, and they lose to them 36-27. The Eagles, best team in football, arguably right now. They lose 24-8. Dallas, best defense in football, arguably. They lose 25-10, and they barely lose to a Tennessee Titan team with the Bears on
2: deck. Yeah, I mean, they blame the quarterback who's had 350 passing yards or more in in three games this year. That's why he's at top of the league in touchdowns and yards right now. They're putting it all on him, but every single time Carson Wentz has a bad throw, everyone's talking him down, everyone's trashing him. But you see... Three or four consecutive games of Matthew Stafford being literally among the league's worst. Yeah. And no one cares because what they did last year, and he doesn't have the reputation of Carson Wentz over that one year at Philly where people keep consecutively pushing him down. And
0: you're seeing a commander's team who's allowed 21 plus points in every single game. You can't win football games. And they have no takeaways. No takeaways. Yeah. Zero. Yep. Old ball coach needs to go. Now, we're going to, before, when I'm done, when we're done with this segment, we're going to talk about some head coaches. It's unscripted. But we really need to talk about it because it's shaping up to be ugly. My next question is about a coach, uh, or my next statement. And that statement is Nathaniel Hackett will not finish the season as Denver's head coach. Nathaniel Hackett will not finish the season as the Broncos head coach.
1: I'll buy it. I think he's never been a head coach. He's never been a coordinator. He's always an assistant. I just think that he was kind of thrown into this goal, like Tim said a few weeks ago, thinking that Aaron Rodgers is going to come out here and that would have been the perfect fit. I just think he's not ready to be a coach, as we can see. His decision making's not good. His clock management's not good. There's I, nothing good about it. I just feel coaching. like he's just he's he's just a guy. He's just there. He's just filling a role. He's not really doing anything to help anybody. All the blame falls onto a hurt Russell Wilson, which what can he do really? He can't coach the, tell the coach what to do. He's a quarterback. He's just an employee. Employee. Um But
0: you have a <laughs> Hall of Fame we say that. Aaron Rodgers dictates a lot because of who he is. Dan Reno dictated a lot. Joe Montana dictated a lot. Big Ben. So you can kind of dictate as you can. A, Russell Wilson has never done that. And that's a whole another conversation for sure. Josh, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think I mean if even if you're trying to get Aaron Rodgers, I know the familiarity there with Nathaniel Hackett with the Packers team through the last couple of seasons is there, but you're really telling me he's the best option for Aaron Rodgers? Like Aaron Rodgers could Put anyone out there with Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. He, they're probably better than Th- Nathaniel Hackett anyways, mm-hmm. and it's Aaron Rodgers. Like He doesn't need this guy specifically. But I I think he'll get fired. I don't think he's – look at the offense. Like the, We talk about their team. Their team's really good. We talk about teams that are not doing well. It's because of the head coach. We yeah. talked about the Browns a yeah. couple of weeks ago. They were a great roster, terrible team. Stefanski steps in with Baker Mayfield backup quarterbacks now. They're a great team. They're a good team. So I think the problem is him, and I think teams, if they're a <clears throat> smart team decision-wise, they will get rid of Nathaniel Hackett in year one, seeing how bad and how much they're underperforming, because it's not going to change yeah. in all likelihood, especially with the injury now to Russell Wilson. That just adds on more to Nathaniel Hackett That's being out of there.
0: Yeah, and this came because the Mile High Report, which is a, a national you know, article, actually, but from a local company, they posed the question, even in Broncos territory, Broncos country, They said, uh, does Nathaniel uh, Hackett have time to get things right in Denver? I agree. I don't think so. I think he's among the list of casualties of coaches this year, should be.
2: Yeah, and I think, I mean, other than wide receiver and quarterback right now, they have have a ton of decisions everywhere other than those two positions, especially with Bradley Chubb and all them. So maybe they rebuild once again, get the GM out of there. Uh, George Payton, they get... Uh, Nathaniel Hackett obviously out of there because it has been a failure or it could be like the Jaguars or what the Bron- our Broncos did last year getting Vic Vangio out of there which I mean Vic Vangio being there looks a lot better now yeah. but they could keep George Payton like the Jaguars kept uh, bulky, and then they once again reset with Hackett because you can't put up nine points against the worst offense in the league yeah. and lose to the worst offense in of the league <laughs> without their best player it's, yeah. just, it's just sad I know this sounds like
0: Coach's Corner, but this is our final statement. Kevin O'Connell has made the Vikings one of the favorites to win the NFC. Buying or selling?
1: I'll buy I think anyone other than Mike Zimmer helps them be this team. They've mm-hmm. always been this team. It's relatively the same offense. Just better. It's better scripted. I think yeah. that Kevin <laughs> O'Connell obviously knows Kirk Cousins from Washington from years past. He's a better offensive mind than Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer is a defensive guy who's kind of washed up. He's been in the league a long time think he has one eyeball i don't know the story on that but um i think kevin he's <laughs> just, he what just was it? <laughs> he's just a better coach shows yeah. he's a better coach and he's just it's fresh and that's what Kirk cousins needs familiarity and a playbook that he can just air it out mm-hmm. and that's what we see with justin jefferson yeah josh buying or selling
2: yeah i'm gonna buy as well i think they're better i don't know they're a better team than the packers in my opinion <laughs> they At are a better team from what I we've seen from the packers so far they have a much higher upside than the packers maybe not to sustain the Packers in matchups, but this is just a sad NFC right now. The Rams aren't playing good. The Cardinals aren't playing good. We'll see what happens when Hopkins come back. The NFC South is just bad overall. And their own division, I mean, the Packers, you could say they're the best team, but their offense is just not doing anything right now. So this is, they have the most talent on offense, uh, receiver-wise, probably, uh, with Justin Jefferson as a one person. They have Dalvin Cook, who's a top running back. Offensive line is the healthiest in the NFC right now, in my opinion. Um, I mean, beyond the Eagles, there's not a giant threat to them right now as we speak. I would say 49ers, uh, Cowboys, potentially if they're playing like this with Dak coming back, Mm -hmm. and the Eagles, and potentially Buccaneers if they get things going. They're a top four or five team in the NFC right now. No one's going to stop them right now other than themselves.
0: Yeah, I'm buying all day. We said that uh, Zimmer was a, a mistake and outlived his time. He's a defense. I I can't stand seeing defense or offensive coordinators become uh, head coaches because ultimately the problem that we have there uh, with this is look at Dan Quinn. The moment he started letting someone call the defense, they slipped, and when he lost focus of it in Atlanta, he lost his job. And – I don't know, I'm a big fan of like, Dan, and I know you're not listening to this podcast, but if you are, bro, stay put. Let them pay you a lot of money to be a defense coordinator because you're great and you're an average head coach. Don't do it again. Don't make the mistake. And I want to see people stay in the right places and make the right calls. Uh, The Vikings, by the way, moved uh, into the power rankings now up to number four, but check this out. This is the interesting thing about about the the ESPN I'm reading from. Their chance to make the playoffs, 76.9. We agree that's favorable. Their chance to win the division, 34.9. I think their chance to win the division is pretty doggone high. In fact, at this point in the season, the Cowboys, who are now fifth in the ESPN Power Ranking, have a 96% chance to make playoffs, again, based on record. That's all it is. But a 265 chance to win their division. They're one game behind the Eagles and tied, and they have a 26% chance. Contrary, they're saying the Eagles have a 72% chance and only one game lead. That's weird. I don't know that I buy that. But thanks, guys, for playing along. That's buy and sell. Uh, and I really want to talk about coaches. We might have to do a bonus episode or something because this coaching carousel, I think we have some pretty strong opinions. We've been right so far. But to my count, tell me if I'm wrong, we won't deep dive because we have Stardom or sit-up coming. I think Hackett's gone. I think Reich is gone. Uh, Who else is, I think um, the clown in Las Vegas is gone. Um, (laughs) I thought Pete
1: Carroll would be gone, but for some reason, his team's stringing it together. Not with his quarterback throwing almost 80%. I don't understand it. What the heck? He has the highest QBR in the league right now.
2: I mean. mean, He also has the highest ratio of players breaking his jaw. He
0: also just had his birthday like two days ago. we'll see. he leads the league in broken jaws from teammates, so. Yeah. Can't be that likable in the locker room, just saying.
2: I mean, we'll see. I mean, he, they've been, like, overly efficient the last three games. And I know they played against the Lions and some relatively easy matchups. Uh, the Saints allow big plays, which is, yeah. which is all that Seattle had against New Orleans. Uh, I mean, going forward, they could be pushed down maybe closer to what they had in Week 1, Week 2, 180, 190 passing yards. They could maybe get through the game, but I just don't see them putting up 30 points a game or being overly efficient with... Every single deep pass from Geno Smith, so. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, if he continued this, obviously he's an MVP conversation, which is relatively crazy to say with Geno Smith. But if we're basing it off of today, he's 100% in the MVP conversation. Going forward, I don't think they're going to be this good at all. This is just, they're too efficient right now. Well, the funny thing is, even though they're
0: currently locked into this gridlock with their division, According to ESPN, they have a 4.7% chance to make the playoffs. Nobody's buying.
2: Yeah, we have a big change, obviously, with Rashad Penny now out, broken, uh, what was it, fibula? They said tibia first or whatever, but it's the other bone in his leg. Outside bone. As well as some damage to his ankle, uh, just we'll see a change with Kenneth Walker starting. Uh, Travis, uh, what's his name? Travis Homer. He's coming back as well. I was gonna say <laughs> Travis Folgum. but um, yeah.
1: nah, he's on a practice squad. Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, this is the new change in the running game. Rashad Penny's been one of the more efficient backs the last two seasons, so we'll see how that changes their offense going forward. Yeah, yeah, and you guys
0: called it. Penny wouldn't last the season. Everybody knew Sadly, sadly. Sadly, good player, good player. But he's good for about four games. So you get one quarter of the play from the guy. They should pay him one quarter of his salary next year. Just (laughs) anticipate. He's on a different team next year. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's a free agent. Start him or sit him, guys. We, We ask each of our guys here to give us two players from each category, two players they think will be hot and cold in their fantasy matchup this week into week six. So, Caleb, we always start with you. Give me some player that you
1: think will be hot as a fantasy player this week. George Kittle. I know everyone's been waiting patiently. It's been kind of miserable. He hasn't really done anything. He has 99 yards. No touchdowns out of the three games he's played this year. Not great. Not good at all, actually. Yeah, not but, good. Um, he's tied in two right now, but I think he bounces back against Atlanta. They are one of the worst at, against covering tight ends. They allow the third most fantasy points against tight ends, and they give up an average of 70 yards against tight ends. So look for Kittle to finally... Do something, finally. Josh, your first hot
2: player. For me, I talked about him being the number one tight end in the NFL this week. It is Zach Ertz against the Seattle Seahawks. Um, They allowed 87 yards to Kyle Pitts, who's basically had 20 yards every single game. Uh, They allowed 180 yards to TJ Hawkinson, two touchdowns. And they allowed 36 fantasy points to Taysom Hill, who just went crazy in that game. So he had stats everywhere. Uh, This is a great matchup for him. I explained it a little bit earlier, but it's just great overall for him. It's easiest matchup in the NFL right now. They've had great cornerback matchups and Hollywood Brown's been the number one target leader. He's gonna be looking a lot more towards him defensively, uh the um Seahawks will be. And then he's gonna open up a field a lot more on the inside. Zach Ertz, that is the running game's injured. It's just a great matchup for him. All right, kill hot player
1: number two. I have AJ Dillon. If you're in my fantasy league, it's not just my guys. I traded for them this week for this reason. But uh, A.J. Dillon is coming off season low and snaps and touches against a terrible game in London against the Giants. Not a great game for him. Not a great game for the Packers overall, but I think they bounce back great against the Jets this week. They're allowing over four yards a carry, two running backs. I believe Mostert just had 120 rushing yards against them, which is crazy. He's a 30-year-old running back. That shouldn't be happening. A.J. Dillon is going to bounce back. He is going to rush efficiently against these poor Jets.
2: Mm-hmm. For Josh, me, yep.
1: just like Caleb, I traded for him in two leagues.
2: Chris Godwin, <laughs> this is a great matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, they allow a ton of big plays. I mean, it's the slot receiver. They play linebackers against slot receivers. Mm-hmm. You get the point. They played against Amari Cooper. He had 100 some yards. Week one, they played against Jamar Chase. 10 catches, 130 yards, and a touchdown. Week two, Nelson Aguilar, 110 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, once again, Amari Cooper, 101 and one touchdown, And Joku, 90 yards and a touchdown. Corey Davis, 75 yards and a touchdown. Gabe Davis, 171 and two touchdowns. Stefan Diggs, 102 and a touchdown. You get the point. Yeah. They're getting scored on against wide receivers. They traditionally get scored on a ton by slot receivers. We saw it with Jarvis Landry every single year on the Browns. Slot receiver against a linebacker, Chris <clears throat> Godwin's going to eat against the Steelers. Nothing else <laughs> to say, really. They're a top team in takeaways and sacks. A ton of pressure. is going to have a ball a lot more than... Kenny Pickett. So the Buccaneers are favored. Chris Godwin's going to get a lot of points, for, in my opinion. So those are hot fantasy players. The opposite would be cold. People you need to sit. Caleb, give me an example of
0: a
1: player we need to sit this week. <sighs> grab your chairs. Grab your car seat, wherever you're in right now. Um, Najee Harris. Sit him. He's been terrible. He has the same amount of points as a lot of flexible players like A.J. Dillon. He has the same amount of points as A.J. Dillon, actually. And you've got this guy in the first, top of the second round, maybe, depending on what kind of league you're in. Not good. He's only had one game over 75 total yards while scoring a touchdown. He's only scored two this year. The Steelers look rough. Mike Tomlin just said that they're going to switch up the coaching. Whatever that means, they're going to switch up the offense. So yeah. I don't know if that means Jalen Warren. We saw him last game be very efficient on the rushes he had. I don't know if that's going to eat into Najee Harris' carries. But they're playing the Bucks who's allowed 90 rushing yards a game to running backs, which is right in the middle of the league, so they're not good against the run, not terrible against the run. So I think that Najee Harris has been bad. I think uh, you have better options. I would not play him against these. It's going to be a blowout. (laughs) Josh, you were going to say the same thing. I was going to say Najee Harris as well for the same (laughs) reason. Give me a better reason. Yeah, give me a better Uh,
2: reason. That's... We'll take it. No, no, no. You, you covered Najee Harris very well. <laughs> He's been terrible this year. We talked about it before the year. Too many touches last year to base off of this year. It's a worse team, new quarterback situation. They're passing more to other options, including George Pickens. Mm-hmm. The volume's not there for him. Jalen Warren, they announced it's going to have a larger role in this offense, whether it's third down role or 30 40% of the role. He just had too much volume and done nothing with it. Jalen Warren's been more efficient in every game. I'm not saying he's better, but he's been he's been better this year than Najee Harris across the board, so I think you gotta set him. One more person for me, I'd say DK Metcalf.
1: Bro. Is that your other person? <laughs> yeah, he's sniping each other. DK I love Metcalf.
2: It. Not a great matchup for him. <laughs> Traditionally has not done well against Arizona, especially against Buda Baker. Uh DK Metcalf, for whatever reason, has just has not been a top receiver in back to back weeks of any point in his career. He's had a solid stretch the last two weeks. But I think he's not going to have a third game in a row against the Cardinals. I think it's going to be the focus for them on defense.
1: Yeah, I'm going to talk about Metcalf as well. Arizona has only allowed two touchdowns to receivers this year. Did you say that? Nope. Oh. Mm. Yeah, they're the seventh fewest fantasy points to wide receivers in the league right now. Metcalf, sorry to Metcalf, you're not amazing. (laughs) I don't know how to word that right. (laughs) But if you watch, this is me because I'm weird. <laughs> I watch the snaps of these players, and every game they play against the Cardinals, he gets in a verbal or physical fight with Buda Baker. So look for him to not be right in the headspace during this game. <laughs> right in the headspace. Yeah, So, but um, like Josh said, it's it's not a great <clears throat> option, Arizona. It is a rivalry game. I said that Seattle would be my upset, surprisingly, but I think Metcalf is going to be that guy that gets all the looks, all the coverage, and he's it's not going to be a good, fun, happy day for Metcalf. I'll say one more since we had the
2: same people. Um, (laughs) Overlap. I'm going to say David and Joku. I think this is kind of a trap game for them, looking at the Patriots. uh, The Patriots, they're on offense for a long time with Bailey Zappi, and they really have the ball for a long time, slowly getting down the field with the players that they have, including Ramondre Stevenson. Um, Yeah, I just think he's going to have to block a lot more against the New England Patriots, especially on the side of Matt Judon. And I think the Patriots do a very good job covering against the tight end position beyond Mark Andrews in week three. Uh, I just don't think this is a great matchup for them or any of the receiving weapons on the Browns. If they're going to be scoring or doing anything through the air, I think it's going to have to be big plays produced by DPJ or somebody like that. I just don't think it's going to be David and Joku mm-hmm. easily getting 80 yards a game through the middle of the field. I think this changes from the last three games. Outstanding
0: guys that's your stardom and sit for going into week six. Hey, here's some random trivia I came across today. I just thought this was interesting because nobody in the world's gonna be able to guess this if you guess it I'll be absolutely shocked, but I'm gonna give you a hint going into it. Okay Uh, It's a statement first of all um, With three facts, but one is a current player who had a hot week and one is a budding Hall of Famer I say budding. He is an absolute Hall of Famer one of the best at his position of all time. Here's the question These are the only two players in the Super Bowl era, listen closely, with at least 20 rushing touchdowns, eight passing touchdowns, and six receiving touchdowns. So these two players, one who had a great Sunday, one who is a legend, are the only two players in the Super Bowl era with 20 rushing touchdowns, eight passing touchdowns, and six receiving touchdowns. Guess the guys. Six receiving touchdowns? This sounds like eight passing touchdowns and 20 in the. Is this for a career? They're the only players in the Super Bowl era to have 20 rushing, plus eight passing, plus six receiving touchdowns. So this would be someone that did that. Yes. They've had. All this week would be Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill's the current player who's the legend. How old are we talking? Dominant in the 80s. 80s? You, said,
2: you said surefire Hall of Famer? absolute first round legend. The only person I remember, I mean I never watched him live. The only person I've seen do stuff like that in the red zone is Walter Payton. That's exactly right. Good yeah. job, guys. Taysom Hill and Walter Payton
0: are the only two players in the Super Bowl era with 20 rushing touchdowns, 8 passing touchdowns and 6. That's amazing. Like that's a career. Yeah. That's that's pretty awesome for I mean, both of them.
2: I'm trying to think who else would be the guy that was even close in a situation to have that many touchdowns in each category yeah i mean 20
0: russian touchdowns lots of guys obviously eight eight passing lots but six catching them yeah. Th- that's, that's the caveat. And Taysom Hill, kudos. You are a very unique player, my friend, for sure. All right, as we look at week six, we finally get into our bi-week schedule. That said, there's a whole slate of 1 o'clock games, so you're going to have your choice. Guys, looking at the schedule, obviously the games that are probably the most significant in terms of watchability will be Dallas and Philadelphia in the late game on Sunday night football and the 4 o'clock game, Buffalo Bills visit the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I would say Broncos-Chargers, but let's be fair – the Chargers are going to blow them out at home by all natural accounts. Uh, there's a lot of blowouts here, as we've already kind of alluded to, but what other games, Caleb, you mentioned that, was uh, oh, it Caleb, let me look at my notes, or Josh, that Miami, Josh, it could beat yep. Minnesota. So, obviously, that's a watchable game. What other games stand out uh, as you look at the Week 6 schedule as we wrap up?
2: Yeah, I think the Colts, Jaguars. For some reason, the, the Colts just decided to get blown out by J- the Jags in Jacksonville, <laughs> but it's the other way around in Indianapolis. The Colts traditionally stomp Jaguars in Indianapolis in the Dome. Jonathan Taylor's coming back. I think, I mean, this is an exciting offense for the Jags despite the games and points that they put up. They've been very close to scoring a lot. They've had a lot of turnovers in the red zone on fourth down, trying to get more points. Um, This could be very exciting if they do convert in this game. And the Colts, obviously, I think they're a lot more exciting at home. They play much better at home. This is an easier matchup for them with Jonathan Taylor revisiting. It could be a very high-scoring game despite the lack of offense that they both put up the last few games.
1: I think an interesting game for me is going to be the Giants and the Ravens. I think that's very important for the Ravens because they are winning their division right this moment, and the Giants, if they start losing games here, they looked really good against the Packers. That division could be at a loss, especially if a Dallas upset over Philly, or Philly just takes the win and is two games above the Giants. I don't think the Giants could really afford a loss here. They will still be tied with Dallas if Dallas loses. And it's just an interesting game to me, because Baltimore needs this game to be arguably... Because I think that the Browns are going to have a tough time beating the Patriots, and believe it or not, I think the Saints are going to have a good chance of beating the Bengals. So I think the Ravens need this game, especially to win the division. Well, let me
0: ask you, we've already established uh, your opinions, which is even if the Eagles beat Dallas at home, they should, they're favored, and they're playing a team with a backup quarterback. So they can't really prove anything this week. Do the Giants prove anything by standing up at home against the Baltimore Ravens? Do they take a step forward as a more legit team if they win at home?
2: I mean, for sure, but I don't think that, I think the Giants team is a lot better because of the coaching now. Mm -hmm. They obviously have worse weapons overall at the receiving position sure, versus the last couple of years, obviously. Um, I mean, I'm just excited to see their pass rush, and I think if they can get it done against the Ravens, who have allowed opportunities for teams like this to play very close to them, they saw last year with the Lions, they basically, it was like a 19 point game for the Ravens and they won because of the longest field goal in history from Justin Tucker so they've tended to <laughs> let guys or teams stick around with them especially last week with the with the uh, Bengals who didn't do a lot I mean, it could be a very close game but I don't think that the, you should get your hopes up for a Giants bar- team barely beating a Ravens team who kind of sometimes a lot <laughs> <laughs> kind under, of sometimes under, a lot underperforms <laughs> against teams <laughs> like this I you like know, that didn't Good. know how to word that but they do it they do it often
0: yeah, I think the thing that uh, that stands out to me is I don't know that we're going to learn a lot about any of these teams at all. However, I think some teams have a chance, i.e. Atlanta, if they get an upset. That's a step forward for, him, for them. Uh, we don't have a lot to learn from a lot of other games. Caleb, you already mentioned that Seattle's your upset at home against, uh, of course, the 12th man is going to be a great uh, advantage for Seattle against uh, the Cardinals.
2: Yeah, and I think we're going to see, I mean, the Packers are playing against an, a second New York team. Two weeks in a row now. I don't remember if it's at New York or not Mm because the Packers technically had a home game in London last week. So I think it is in New Jersey. They need to win this game. They can't underperform this much all year, Mm -hmm. every single time. I know they played the Bucks and didn't do very well, but they did win. But they can't lose to the Giants and the Jets back to back. The Jets have done nothing passing wise consistently to their wide receivers. Packers have to win this game. They have to have turnover in this game. Finally. And I think a game that's not even worth watching, in my opinion. They are in Lambeau. <laughs> yeah, they're in they Lambeau. Are in the, yeah. Oh, that's even better for them then. But I think a game not worth watching is Rams, Panthers. P.J. <laughs> Walker, you have a backup head coach. I mean, nothing's really going to change for them with Baker Mayfield not being in. The pressure of the Rams should finally be felt if the offensive line for the Rams can hold up. This just might be a blowout. This isn't
0: let's ask it this eesh. question another way. Rams lose somehow, miraculously, to a <laughs> a new coach without Baker Mayfield. Okay. Is that a straight up fire happening in LA? Like are they the dumpster fire all of a sudden if they allow Carolina to come I mean, in and beat them?
2: For sure. I mean, this is the worst worst start they've had mm-hmm. with Sean McVay. Mm-hmm thus far I think you have to beat a team like this I mean we talk about every single week it's kind of old to talk about it but it is (laughs) it is the statistic what they're one in 27 now it's just added on throughout the season where they have they basically lost every single time that someone scored 17 points or more against them the Ram the Rams are very capable of doing that against this defense and I mean with Matt Rule I know he's gone now but this is the first game with a interim head coach Matt Rule only won two games they were favored in in his career so what games, Caleb, do you
0: say – let's assume the Rams should be a blowout. What are the blowout games that you see on the schedule? Josh, chime in. I think Cardinals uh, – I mean, I think the Chargers should blow out the the Broncos. They
1: should, but every game has been close. I think 100%. Packers should. Packers Niners should. Niners should. Yep. Bucks should. Buccaneers
0: should. Um, How
1: about the Bengals? Is it time for them to blow no, somebody out? No, they're not going to happen this game. I think <laughs> I Vikings it. should if Tua's out, which is looking like he will be. Um and Rams, and hopefully the Rams. I mean, the the, the Saints do a good job
2: defensively across the board, and mm-hmm. then they just allow a big play all of a sudden. We saw it multiple times last week against the Seahawks, so maybe we finally get the big plays we're looking for from Cincinnati in this game, but Joe Mixon's been underperforming beyond the first two weeks or so. They talk about it literally every broadcast because they're a primetime game the last couple of weeks. Joe Mixon's running 2.7 yards a carry or whatever. <laughs> they highlight it every single time. They know this. Going against them, they ha- if they don't get the running game started, they have to get the big play started. If they don't get that going in this game, which I think they will, they're they're done. The Bengals aren't going to take over this division. Yeah, as always, uh, I know we sound a little pessimistic about blowouts and boring games, but at the
0: end of the day, bad football is better than no football. So Unless we'll it's be dialed.
2: Broncos, in. Colts. Unless, yeah, I can't live
0: through another Broncos, Colts. I'm not. I mean, if Al Michaels is checking out, y'all, we're done. Well, it was it was
2: <laughs> Al Michaels and Kirk Erbstreet who are already they talk like this the whole game there's well, nothing exciting al gets pretty animated i mean, I mean yeah but but it, you could tell he it, was it was agroman. very good with chris collinsworth at least but now it's you add the one of the worst games i've ever seen in my life with al michaels
0: ta- t- telling you that it's a terrible <laughs> yeah. game
2: <laughs> yeah
0: I I, I I tell you guys and I, you guys didn't get to experience this but those of you that are old like me it was such a treat uh, especially back in the day when we had little things like bedtimes and you know all this stuff what an amazing memory i have of growing up in the era where you get to stay up late watch monday night football you know you put on your pjs get out of the bathtub and your parents let you stay up later and it just feels weird but man you got to listen to you know howard cosell and, and uh, frank giffer and don meredith and what an era for football it was magical it was well called you learned so much you had a blast and you know we've been critical of some of the announcers these days I mean Troy Aikman last uh game he called maybe the guy was high I don't know it just sounded like some of the stuff he's saying out there is uh I don't I don't know (laughs) but I just missed the glory days uh as much as you guys kind of missed out on uh, of Pat Summer on John Madden I mean there's been some legendary broadcast crews and I do like the teams you know Nance and uh romo and buck and, and eggman but man there was something special about those monday night games uh they were just fun and they were very
2: very entertaining very memorable Yeah, and i wish they would highlight uh nance and uh romo more and i wish they would highlight burkhart mm-hmm. and olsen presumably they're doing great gonna be tom brady with burkhart going forward i, I brady's good I, f- I feel like all the great broadcasts are during the day <clears throat> Uh, yeah, my gut tells me, uh, again, here we
0: are rambling at the end of a podcast, but that's okay, it's our podcast. My gut tells me Brady will be out of broadcasting pretty soon. I don't see him giving enough insight based on the intelligent dialogue he gave, gave last week about how uh, bad football is being yeah. played. Uh, be a little more intelligible, GOAT. You, you are capable <laughs> of it, so let's let's be a little more entertaining. Tariqo
2: and Collinsworth are always fantastic, in my opinion. Isn't Terrico awesome? Yeah.
0: Like, he's just very good. Yeah. Yeah. He
2: can do anything. <laughs> he really
0: can. I mean, kudos to the guy. He uh, was a, a kind of B-list ESPN you know, star, and now he's the voice of the Olympics, for Pete's sake, so kudos. Well, here's the thing, guys. NFL action is happening. Tune in. Thursday night game, Sunday night game, Monday night game, and tons of action in between. Not a lot of 4 p.m. stuff, so if you're a red zone, it's going to be a little slow ride week, for Hanson. Yeah. Seven hours, uh, but we'll see you next week as we report on all the hot action that's going to happen in week six and we'll preview week seven so we'll see you then if you enjoy listening to this podcast please tell a friend and help us spread the word we've set up our online shop at guyswithouthelmets.com where you can get your own guys without helmet gear we also post a weekly video on youtube so please stop by and give us a like and subscribe to our channel finally if you want up-to-date information and news as it breaks please follow us on instagram as always thanks for listening we'll see you next time on guys without helmets